Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Welcome to Headliner Radio. I'm your host, Will Hawkins. Today, we're at the Harmon Experience Center in Los Angeles, California, where I'm with an incredible singer-songwriter who's built an amazing following on social media and on YouTube. Grace's recent single, Like a Person, is available on all streaming services. Please welcome Grace Gosted. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Well, it's uh, it was an amazing performance that we just heard from you. You want to talk about that song and what influenced you to, in order to write it? Yeah, so um, the song I played here today is called Nothing to Me, and it is the eighth single off of my album, Pillbox, What's Your Fantasy? And Nothing to Me is a song that's all about just sort of when someone's really done, you know, something a little wrong to you and you you got to reclaim your power and you got to sort of get rid of that person in your life get rid of that negative energy and sort of come back to yourself so you got to own that you mean nothing to me you got to let them go um and so the song is really about just regaining your power as an individual those are really wise words ones as as an adult i'm just recently <laughs> learning to express myself that way and and how powerful the word no even can be to say no to things where were you able to get the strength and really in, in get the uh, the insight to be able to be so clear about your intentions so early in your life? Gosh, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm an only child, so I grew up with a lot of adults. Um, I spent a lot of time with my mom and sort of um, watching her work and interact with people all the time. And so I think that I just I learned some skill sets much earlier than a lot of people, just because I really did spend a lot of time with mostly adults. And also, I've been working in music since I was like. I was in my first studio probably eight or nine years old. Wow. So, you know, I've been around a little longer than people would think. Where did that influence come from? Are either your parents artists or musicians? Not professionally. Um, my mom is a very, very good piano player and singer and a writer, and she's always just done it as a hobby. And my dad actually has a really good voice, but he's exclusive to the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of music influence did you have growing up? What kind of music were you hearing in the house while you were a kid? Gosh, I had a really large variety of music because I had my parents' catalog, and so that was like, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and Michael Jackson and Madonna. So I had, you know, all this great sort of older music, and then I also was listening to, like, Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and, you know, all these huge sort of pop names that were coming up. And so I really had a very unique combination um, of two uh, completely different catalogs that sort of came together to form, I guess, what I would consider my own taste. So how old were you when you first started recording music? Recording, probably eight or nine. Writing, though, I was writing my own music by like five or six. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have a very big vocabulary to write music, but I did my best. And then you had a, a viral video, uh, Hosier Song, and yeah. how old were you when that came out? That was like 2016. I was 16 when wow. that happened. Yeah, it's an amazing song. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. I knew from like the moment I heard it, I was like, I want to cover it. I want to sing it. And, you know, I put it up online and it ended up getting on a viral sort of Spotify playlist. And that's sort of where all the traction came from. And then, you know. A lot of views from there. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you use that? Like, when did, were you starting to release more of your own music after that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, most artists 
tend to start out with singing covers and I think that's a wonderful idea. I think there's no better way to learn music and learn how to write music and sing it than, you know, studying from other musicians. And so, yeah, once I saw the success with the Take Me to Church video, I was like, okay, I really want to work on my own craft and release my own songs and, um, you know, continue to build off of this momentum. And how did you use social media in order to, like, to elevate what you had already started doing with the with the original video, how do you, how do you maintain your social media? It's hard maintaining social media is really hard. It's a lot of content. Um, for me, I've done a lot of music videos, and that's sort of my uh, area and, and thing that I use to keep everybody up to date to keep releasing music. Um, some of the videos are as stripped back as, you know, just me at a piano. And some of the videos are, you know, my albums, which are 12, 13 song anthology projects. They're linear. Um, and it's like watching like a little movie on YouTube. <laughs> and it, it's interesting you would say that because I've been watching your videos over the last week to be able to be slightly prepared for this today. And they are very cinematic. So what goes into like the creative of that when it comes to creating the narratives of that? Do you have a team that works with you or is that mostly you that's coming up with that? Gosh, I do a lot of thinking like in the middle of my, you know, bedroom, middle of the night. Um, Pillbox was, or I guess I'll start with Blackbox. Blackbox, my first album was conceptualized at probably gosh, two or three in the morning. It was three days before Christmas. I didn't have a present for my mom. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I put together this whole album and book and I spent three days painting all these pictures and this whole thing. And I handed her like a stack, like this big of work. And I was like, oh, Merry Christmas. Like this is your Christmas gift. And she's like, what? You know what I mean? (laughs) So she cries um, for days afterwards. And then, you know, I'm like, I need you to help me turn this into something real. And so, you know, we kind of put our heads together and brought in some wonderful creative people. Van Alpert, my director, he's incredible. Um, Joe Baker, my makeup artist who helped design all the crazy looks from the videos. And um, we also have a makeup line coming out called Bakeup, which is super exciting. And, you know, it sort of like started with Black Box. I conceptualized that, found a great team. And then, again, middle of the night, thinking to myself thought about Pillbox and just started executing and sort of, you know, sharing with everyone the vision for that. And we all kind of put our heads together and made something um, super magical. So I'm excited about it. And it really is. I mean, the cinematography and the storylines are beautiful. And it's something that you clearly have a great vision, not just in your music and but also in the way that you present yourself on these videos. Let's, t- let's take a step back for a second and talk about your songwriting process. Like, what does that look like for you? It's very chaotic. Um, gosh, I'm like one of those musicians. I don't think that I necessarily have a pattern or a process. I kind of am someone who just, I, I'll write stuff down all day long. Little things that I think of, little notes, little whatever. So I'll you know, pick up my phone and hum five seconds of something into it. And all of a sudden, you know, you have this like well of information and ideas. And so then when I do go to write or, you know, um, produce a song or anything like that, I've already got all these little teeny starting points. So I'll go back and I'll say, oh, you know, what was that that I sang in the car earlier? Let me grab it and then turn it into a full song. So it's all very, uh, very chaotic. And, um, I try to keep it fun. I don't yeah. believe in rules when it comes to songwriting. 
And then as far as going into the studio and taking that song and taking that idea and then what does that look like? Like having that demo and then going in with your producer, what is that process like for you? You know, um, it sort of depends. Some songs I'll, you know, that I've written myself, um, I'll bring into a producer and then other times, um, I've got a collaborator in Scott Effman who did a lot of the pillbox songs with me. Um, we sit in a room together, we write, we record same day, we do production. So like we work really fast. So it kind of just depends on the situation, but, um, you know, I, uh, I definitely just love writing songs. So as many as I can sort of get done and, um, you know, kind of, like you said, like the demos, it's very special to have a demo. I think that all artists are really like, you know, there's a thing called demoitis and that's like me for sure. I like fall in love with them and that's how I know what needs to go on the projects. It's the demos that I can't ever put down. Well, these songs become our children. Exactly. Right? And then we have sure. to trust the people who we hand them off to, almost like teachers, when we hand them off at school. It's like, what are you going to do with this? And what Absolutely. am I going to get back with it? Uh, you spent some time in New York City. I did, yes. So, I went to high school there. So what was your experience as a musician in New York City? I think I got a lot of, um, you know, I, I sort of built my chops, I guess, in New York, per se. Um, I started, you know, working, like, religiously after school. I would go, and I'd go downtown, and I'd go record for, like, four and five hours. Um, and then, you know, I met my vocal coach, Don Lawrence, who's trained some of the best singers ever, you know, like, Lady Gaga, Christina Aguilera, like these crazy names. And I go in and I audition for Don. I'm 13 years old and I'll never, I'm like shaking, right? And I'll never forget. He's like, you're not great, but you're good. And so I'll take you. And now eight years later, Don and I are like super close. He's like a second dad to me. And, um, you know, my time in New York with Don, uh, you know, he really made me great. He forced me to be great. He He made me work really hard and I will forever be grateful for those years because it made me a much better artist. Well, someone can turn something good into great. So he recognized that at least there was something to work with there. Absolutely. What was your first live performance like? Gosh, um, I did some live stuff when I was like really young. Like I think like 13 was the first ever time. I actually like got on a stage and like sang for an audience of people. And that was at a charity event um, at the Christopher Reeve Foundation. And then I did my first like headlining show myself at the Whiskey A Go-Go here in Los Angeles. And that was when I was 17. That small little venue that no one knows. Yeah, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, What was it like finding your gender identity? as far as this is a big part of your music, it's a big part of like who you are and your activism. At what age were you starting to be able to embrace that and really stand on it? You know, I think that I was really able to sort of find myself through music, find myself through art. It was always a huge place of expression for me. And so it all really stems from there. Um, I was very lucky in that I had a mom who was, very supportive of me, very young. She wanted me to be educated about anything and everything. So she never really kept anything off limit. She just wanted to tell me the truth and Mm -hmm. and tell it like it is. And I think, you know, she did such a good job raising me. I never felt like it was unsafe to be myself. I never felt like I couldn't share with her things that I was feeling or, or dealing with. Um, 
And I think that, you know, it's really important now as times are sort of changing. Um, I certainly see a lot of young people who are not necessarily conforming to, you know, the things that society has known now for so long. And I think it's really important to, you know, A, B representation for the next sort of generation of kids that are going to come up. Um, and I think it really is just like, you got to be who you are and that, and that shouldn't bother anybody else in my opinion. You know, it's like, as long as you can, everyone can sort of love and like respect each other for whatever those choices may be. I think that's really, um, very important. And I hope that we as a society, um, you know, in the next, however many years can kind of get there where we just love people for who they are and how they want to, you know, present and represent themselves and, that should be it. It should be about. Being it a seems good that Gen Z really embraces it and supports it and promotes it in ways that previous generations, including my own, took time to be able to do. Yeah. So it's really impressive. And I know that your work with, with Dylan is really important to you as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Dylan Mulvaney is a great friend. Um, she is absolutely wonderful. She's had a sort of major success story, um, on TikTok, And, um, she was in my video for like a person, which is a song that is for the community, the LGBTQ plus community. It's really like a song, you know, we welcome you here. You're mm-hmm. safe here. Um, you know, we want you to feel like you have a place to belong. And so Dylan and I are very similar in our messaging and that we really believe it's time to sort of lose the labels, drop all the chaos. She's Dylan. I'm Grace, that should be it. You know, right. that should be enough. It should be enough that we're just two creators, two people, and, you know, we might not look exactly like everybody else, and that's totally okay. And I, um, I'm i really happy that someone like Dylan um, has, you know, really grown quite a large platform because I think it's really important for young kids to have all sorts of role models from all walks of life. And I just, I, I love to see, you know, representation for everybody in media. Totally agree. And I just think it, it was amazing to see how that popularity and support that she received allowed her to get to the White House and be able yeah. to have her words heard, not just by her fans, but also people who maybe she wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to and do that standing next to President Biden was pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dylan's kind of got a bit of a Cinderella story. <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of crazy. Um, I actually found her videos, gosh, back when she was in like the early, maybe like couple hundred thousand people. And now it's like 10 million, 11 million. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, she's she's wonderful. And I think that, like I said, it's great to have someone, you know, now so present in media that can really be representation for a lot of people. What's next for you? What do, what can we hope to see from you in 2023? Well, Pillbox, my album, will continue rolling out in 2023. Um, we've got a ton of songs left still, a ton of videos, a lot of storyline and plot still to uncover. Um, and then, you know, I'm sort of one of those people, I just keep releasing things. That's great. So I'll just, I'll never stop. 2023 will go and we'll go into 2024 and more songs will come. And that's just, you know, I can't stop creating. So That's fantastic. <laughs> and for our viewers, where, where can they find you online? All my social media, my YouTube, it's all under my name, Grace Gosted. Um, also, Black Box, Pillbox, those are my two albums as well. And um, 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Those are all the places. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. This is Will Hawkins from Headliner Magazine, and we will see you next time. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.